0: to The Wonder, exploring perspectives, rituals, and observances of modern naturalistic earth-revering pagan religious paths.
1: Here are your hosts, Yucca and Mark. Welcome back to The Wonder, science-based paganism. I'm your host, Mark. And I'm Yucca. And today we are going to talk about do-it-yourself religion, because that's really what our naturalistic science-based pagan paths are are about. It's really about tailoring a set of practices and activities and observances to your own personal needs. And we're going to unpack all that in this
0: session. That's right. And a good place to start is talking about what's the point? Why why are we doing this? Or why do humans, not just us, but why do humans do this religion thing in the first place and what need is it filling? Because it certainly right. is. Right. We're all doing it in some form or another.
1: Right. Or at least certainly many of us in the modern world, many of us are doing it. But when you look all over the world, you see that every culture historically has had religious traditions of one kind or another. And not all of those have been pointed at the same purpose. So we wanted to be really clear about what we see as the appropriate purposes for a naturalistic pagan practice. For example, in Christianity, the goal is to reach salvation, right? Mm-hmm. you're stained by original sin and whatever sins you've accumulated, you have to get those all washed out of your soul. And then you go on and hopefully you go to heaven, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the whole, and you do that through the intercession of Jesus and so forth. That is not at all, <laughs> yeah. even remotely related to what our religious practices are about. So another example is in most kinds of Buddhism. The idea is that you want to balance your karma so that eventually you can step off of the wheel of time into something else. And I'm sure that there's a definition of what that is, but I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. But the idea is to leave material reality. You keep coming back to it in reincarnated forms until you've balanced your karma and then you leave right? Yeah, We don't want to do that either. We don't really believe that that's what's going on here on planet
0: earth. Sure. Yeah. So that's not our goal, right? Our goal isn't enlightenment or going to heaven or things like that. And, you know, we're saying our, but it is also very personal. So we can talk about in general paganism, we can talk about naturalistic paganism in general, but it really also comes down to the individual. Mm -hmm. So although Mark, you and I have a lot in common, what each of our practices are going to be like, are gonna be slightly different because we have different goals, different values, different experiences in the world. Sure. And that's a starting place.
1: But I think that the commonality is what I would focus on in terms of the purpose of naturalistic paganism, which is to enhance happiness.
0: Agreed. Yeah.
1: And what makes a given person happy will vary from person to person. Mm -hmm. But what we want our practices to do is to contribute to the happiness of the practitioner and those around them and to contribute to making
0: a better world. Mm -hmm.
1: And. I mean, I think that we can say that in in a general sense, right? Um, I think so,
0: yeah. And those second two are almost requirements for the first one.
1: It is. I mean, if you make everybody around you miserable, it's very hard (laughs) to be happy. (laughs)
0: Yeah, (laughs) right. And, and, you know, we do have a choice about how we respond to things, but it also is really hard to be happy if you're starving and everyone around you is starving and everything is, you know. Burning and all of that. So
1: exactly so. Yeah, you know,
0: we're we're part of a larger system.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a part of what we acknowledge as science-based pagans is that we are social creatures, we fit within ecosystems, mm-hmm. we have responsibilities beyond to ourselves, to the broader fabric of the context that we live in. And I think that what people find is that as they move away from that individualistic idea of, you know, I've got this soul and I've got to take care of it. And that's my only duty and job in life. As they move away from that kind of idea and they start to understand themselves in a reciprocal relationship with the world and their fellow humans. Mm -hmm. I think that enhances happiness a lot, but it also, of course, provides more of a sense of responsibility to, to act well and in accordance with a better world, a more sustainable world, a kinder world, a more peaceful world,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? a more just world. So when we talk about the, the goal, those are, those are the general things that we are talking about in terms of our naturalistic paganism. Now, theoretically, I could imagine that there might be a naturalistic paganism that has some other entirely different goal Mm -hmm. but I have a very hard time imagining what it would be Mm -hmm. because if you're really informed by science, you understand the predicament that humanity is in right now in relation to the ecosystem, Mm
0: -hmm. and you
1: understand the majesty of the ecosystem. And given that, I think it would be very hard to have a very selfish kind of naturalistic pagan path. I mean, the self is important. This is the only life we get you know, we want to be happy, we want to thrive, we want to achieve the goals that we have. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's that other sense of, of, you know, needing to lift those around us and needing to relate to nature in a way that's, that's appropriate and kind. Right.
0: So, so given that, I think, though, that each individual is going to have a different way of going about meeting and achieving that.
1: Absolutely. And I think that the the primary indicator of that in the. The Atheopagan path and other naturalistic pagan paths is that we encourage people to develop their own rituals, Mm -hmm. because different styles of rituals and different kinds of activities are going to be effective for different people. And so instead of, you know, going to mass and having, you know, communion, which is this thing that it's, you know, it's like a machine, everybody goes through exactly the same process, right? Instead, we really encourage people to cultivate the art of ritual development Mm -hmm. and the ritual skills to be effective at going into a, a ritual state of mind like drumming and singing and chanting and dancing and, you know, all of those kinds of things. So I just to start with, that is the very first thing that that turns this into a DIY religion, because we really do want you to do it yourself or do it with your fellow people in, you know, in a a planning group rather than just taking a, a ritual out of a book. Or or cribbing it from some other culture, which of course is appropriation.
0: Choosing in the first place what rituals and why you want to be doing. Because what there, there's definitely going to be some themes, right? Thinking about seasonal observances and types of rites of passage that that is common to many humans, but what you're going to feel the need for a ritual. In your specific life and your specific practice is going to be different than someone else's, and that's not only just okay, but that's good. That makes complete sense Mm -hmm. because what's the point of going through a ritual that isn't going to serve you? Right, it's just the motion. Right, why go through the motion if it's not going to do anything for you? If it's not going to bring you closer to that goal that you have?
1: Right, right. And what that means though is that ritual arts become part of your personal toolkit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you, you don't have to wait around for a Sabbath on the wheel of the year or a or a particular cycle of the moon. I mean, you, you can wait for those things if you want to. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to wait very long for a particular part of the moon. I mean, <laughs> the longest is 28 days, right? Sure but you don't have to. If you feel really stuck in your life, for example, and it's weighing you down and it's depressing you, you can pull those ritual skills out at any time to create a ritual to help yourself get going and feel better, kind of do some repair on your self-esteem and, and set some clear, a clear path for where you're going to go. And honestly... I really wish everybody had that toolkit with them. I feel that, you know, these ritual arts have been developed over tens of thousands of years by humans. And it's only very, very recently, historically, that we've lost them. You know, it's, it's only in the last thousand years, 1500 years, something like that. Really not very much time at all. Mm-hmm. That maybe two thousand years when the rituals started being taken away by priests, and no longer belonging to the people. Well, in, depending in, on what in the West, where yeah, on where we're in the world, yeah. yeah, depending on where you are. Um. So that said, one of the things about being a naturalistic pagan is you develop ritual skills, yeah. right? <laughs> You figure out what works for you, and you learn how to do rituals that, fi- that feel meaningful and good and pleasurable for you. And that's a great thing, mm-hmm. because meaning and pleasure are good. We yes. always say that. Meaning and pleasure are good. We are for your having those.
0: Yes. So those are some great tools, but there are other tools we're using this framework of your, the DIY religion that we have. So we can talk about ritual as a tool, but we can also talk about things like daily practice. Mm -hmm. That's something that we mention a lot on this podcast, Mm -hmm. right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I have my daily practices. I know you have your daily practices and those can really vary depending on who you are. Mm -hmm. If you're a night owl, you know, maybe waking up to watch the sunrise every day is not a part of your <laughs> daily practice. It's sure. just, you're just not going to do that, right? Um, and depending
0: on where you live too.
1: If that's right. That,
0: if you're in the middle of Seattle, that might not be the most rewarding thing. It right? right. might not be possible. Right. Maybe you're going to tune in with some, something else that fits your, your location and your, your rhythms and cycles better. Right
1: rather than waking up to watch the fog slowly start to glow (laughs) in (laughs) the morning (laughs) and just assuming that there's a sun back there somewhere
0: not to say that that might not be beautiful in its own right but it it might not be the same experience that somebody on the top of a clear mountaintop is going to get exactly yeah exactly
1: so once again as we've said so many times as you start to figure out your daily practices we come to the fact that ours is a religion of place
0: right of place yes
1: it's a it's a religion where you relate to the landscape of where you live and to the ecosystem of where you live and to the the sky phenomena of where you live the the clouds, the sunsets, the sunrises, the intermittent, the the moon cycles, the intermittent things like meteor showers and comets and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, some of those will be universal. When there's a comet visible, it's visible for half of the world. Yeah. Um, when some of the, but moon cycles are the same, right? Mm-hmm. For everybody.
0: Yes. Although, it does look different depending on which hemisphere you're in.
1: Yes, it does.
0: Which is it quite, does. which is quite fun.
1: So it, it becomes, it becomes a matter of, first of all, building that relationship through greater understanding of what your context is,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and choosing those daily practices, both in relation to yourself and maybe in relation to your family mm-hmm. and in relation to the world that are fulfilling and give you a sense of of connection and meaning and contentment
0: right yeah and 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 spiraling in and and seeing what those different units that you're a part of is part of developing your particular practice Mm
1: -hmm.
0: right and seeing where you know maybe i could i could think of a situation in which it might be self partnership, family, extended family, neighborhood, community, you know, there's different ways, or it might, you know, you might jump straight from self to family or not include family or whatever it is. Right. right? And again, that's just going to be based on what your particular situation is.
1: Right. If you're a person who feels sort of pressed in on by the demands of your family, quite frequently maybe what you want is a personal practice. Mm-hmm. Maybe what you want is something where you are able to block out a little chunk of time and space every day and say this is about me mm-hmm. It's about my growth it's about my development it's about my happiness and so I'm gonna do this thing you know and it can be very brief. my daily practice I, I think I probably spend two minutes in the morning, and maybe as much as three minutes in the evening. Mm -hmm. Honestly, that little. Yeah. Of course, the candles are lit in the evening, and so they continue to burn, and I come back and contemplate
0: them once in a while. But in terms of active time. Yes. It's sort of like when you're doing a a recipe, there's your active cooking, and then there's the, oh, it's in the oven, or it's cooling. Like, those are two (laughs) different times. Yeah. Exactly.
1: That's exactly. So... So a personal practice is, it's a really important way, I think, to do a number of things. For one thing, a personal practice can just be very influential over your psychology. It can really help you to feel like, you know, I'm living a meaningful life here. I'm living a life where I'm acknowledging the relationships that I have and my responsibilities, as well as the benefits that I have out of those relationships. And I am... I am a person who is seeking to grow and become wiser over time, yeah. And that's really important, mm-hmm. you know. That's that is core to living a fulfilling life. When you, I, I was referred a an article recently about the the five regrets that dying people mm-hmm. often express, mm-hmm. and typically they are around not having paid enough attention not having sought to evolve, having spent too much time on work, not enough time on relationships Mm -hmm. and a relationship with yourself and with the world is every bit as much a relationship as your relationship with your partner, your relationship with your ecosystem, any of those, you know, knowing who you are and having that evolve over time is really essential. For human yeah. happiness.
0: And that daily practice is a moment that you can take to check in with yourself and make sure you're not just on autopilot, mm-hmm. right? To, to stop for a moment and, and evaluate what you're doing and if that's what you want to be doing and just do a little bit of course correction mm-hmm. because sometimes the things, those those things that you are just talking about, those regrets, those are, those are big things. Those are big lifestyle habits. That's not mm-hmm. just something that you decide one day, like, oh, I'm I'm just gonna be more present. And then all of a sudden you are. Like that's something that you practice and have to make adjustments for over and over again. And, and that what we've talked about so far, ritual and daily practice those two tools combined is one of the ways to allow that to happen. Uh Whatever it is that you're working towards.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's personal practice
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and experimenting with the different kinds of things that you might do with that. And, and that, this is a really important point to make about experimentation, I think, because if the point of this is to be happy and fulfilled and have a healthier relationship with the world around us, then expecting ourselves to do some huge pile of observances and rituals and you know all that kind of stuff, when we really don't want to do them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's not helping. Yeah. And on the other hand, <clears throat> not doing anything isn't really helping either. So there's this point of experimentation in the middle where it's like, okay, daily practice. Yeah, I'll take that. I'm going to do a little thing to start with in the day, and maybe that'll grow from there. Moon observances. Well, that sounds a little frequent to me. Not sure I want to do something every month. Maybe Mm -hmm. I'll put that aside. Wheel of the year observances. Well, those are important to me. That's every six weeks, six and a half, seven weeks. And and I really want to acknowledge the, the passing of the seasons and all the metaphors that those mean to me. So I am going to do those. So there's this there's this sort of picking and choosing from a menu mm-hmm. of options that I think each of us is empowered to do on our own. And that's that's by definition, that's a DIY really. Religion, right it's do it yourself here's a here's a big menu of options you you know select as many as you like from columns a,
0: b, and c. yes yeah and something to add on to with that that I think is is really important to bring up that when we talk about choosing the things that work for you and the things that don't work for you that sometimes it's going to take sometimes the things that are going to work for you might take practice to get to there and they might not be comfortable at first. Mm -hmm. If you're not used to doing a daily practice, making yourself do that every day might suck a little bit, but there's benefit from doing that. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes you've got to get past the uncomfortable part to get to the benefit. Like if you, for anyone who's learned to drive think back to how uncomfortable it was to yeah. be behind the wheel the first time, just your heart racing, or if it wasn't driving, riding a bike or doing whatever it was that you did. But think about just how terrifying that was in the beginning, but now you don't even think about it, you just do it. Right. But it's worth it because now you can drive yourself where you need to go or ride wherever you need to go or whatever it was, right?
1: And not only that, but once, once you do fall into a groove with a daily practice, you'll find that if you miss it, it bugs you. Yeah. It, it just, it, something feels a little off and you'll find yourself going back to it because it, it adds something positive in your life and you don't want to be without that positive thing. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a funny thing. like first it may feel a little forced and you have to deal with the critic voice of course which Mm -hmm. we've done an episode about before and we've talked about many times that critic voice inside you that's saying oh this is stupid why are you doing this you have to contend with that and push past it but there will come a time when that all calms down and it becomes very normal very normative Mm -hmm. to to do these activities and when you don't do them you feel like there's kind of something missing from the day. I I I wish I had done that. And then you go back to it the next day. Yeah. And there's no, you know, we don't have like concepts of sin and you know stuff like that. So there's nothing wrong with missing a day. We were it's, joking
0: before recording that there aren't any pagan police coming to get you because you forgot your full moon ritual right. or I, something I, like I pr- that.
1: I promise I'm not going to give you a phone call. Yeah. So You know, you select those pieces. Yucca, you mentioned before we were recording. Meditation is a great example. If you decide that you want to start a meditation practice, even if it's a very brief one, even if it's like five minutes, Mm -hmm. five minutes of meditation for someone that hasn't done it, it can be very uncomfortable. Right. Or if you haven't done it in a long time.
0: Yes. You used to do it and you dropped the practice for five years coming back. It's rough. Yeah,
1: it it is. And your mind will spin all over the place. And you'll find yourself sitting there thinking, I'm not really meditating. It's <laughs> not meditation. I'm not, I'm not getting where I'm supposed to go. And the truth is, you're going to have to push through that for a while. It's just like any other skill. If it's really rusty, or if you never developed it, you're just going to have to do it badly for a while until you start doing it better.
0: Yeah. So there's, there's a balance to take a look at between looking at what's what's working for you what's worth working to make it work for you mm-hmm. and and you know what is it that you really want to be doing
1: right so yeah and that goes along very well with the overall goal which is happiness and growth yeah right because we are dynamic systems, we humans. And if we stagnate, we're not happy. Mm-hmm. If, we're, if we're stuck in a, in a particular rut, generally, we will not be happy for long. Yeah. So growth becomes very important. And the way that humans grow over time is they become wiser.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that teaches them to be kinder to themselves and to others and to be happier, to find the happiness in life. Mm-hmm. So it's this, it's this trade-off early on between doing what's comfortable, which is the easy part, and doing what forces growth, which mm-hmm. is the less easy part, but it's worth it.
0: Yeah. So another thing that many pagans do is a seasonal practice. And of course, this looks different depending on where where your place is. Right.
1: If you uh, have seasons.
0: If you have seasons. Um, well, everyone has seasons, but it's what seasons do they right, have? Right. Right. And, and the, the transition of seasons can
1: be very subtle. We have some folks in the community who live in Florida and Louisiana. And yes, they have seasons, but they don't have extreme seasons, really. Mm-hmm. They, they kind of go from hot and humid to Warm and a little less humid, and then back to hot and humid.
0: And in that case, you know, again, looking at whatever your place is, the what you focus on for your observations of the year might shift somewhat. You yeah. might have a little bit more of a night focus than a day focus, or mm. it might be focused more on the types of creatures who are migrating through at the time. And and all of that, I mean, there's just so much you certainly don't have to be in, you know, Britain or somewhere that has the sort of stereotypical seasons to be able to have a practice of paying attention to the world around you, because that's what it's really about is paying attention to those cycles in the world around you.
1: That's right. That's right, and then of course there are also layers of metaphorical meaning which can be placed over those as well. Mm-hmm. And we have episodes about creating your own wheel of the year, and about cele- and episodes about each one of the seasonal sabbaths, the solstices, equinoxes, and the points between those. So you can go back into the archive and listen to um, episodes that go into more detail. Yeah, about that. this
0: will be our third year going through the. the- holidays yeah Yeah, that's right so so you can check us see if we said the same thing each year or we're totally different
1: (laughs) well hopefully we've said some things that are different because i like to think that my practice is growing and deepening and i'm discovering new things so hopefully it's not all exactly the same yeah so yes seasonal observances are things that we can do and and that is often a big focus Mm -hmm. of a pagan practice Speaking of focuses, another thing we can do is we can create altars, which in the Atheopagan pagan tradition we call focuses, because we associate the word altar with sacrifice and worship. Yeah, and worship, yeah. And we're not really doing those things, but a focus
0: uh, you are—it brings your focus in. That's what you're choosing to focus on in your life. Yes, and
1: yeah. we've done episodes about that as well. But it bears saying that's one of the things that's on that big menu. Some people don't want to build a focus for many of us having one or more focuses in our home really helps us to remember, Oh yeah, I'm living a spiritual path here. Mm -hmm. I'm a, this, and it's this time of year and these are the meanings that that means for me. And there's a shell that I picked up on the beach when walking with my lover. And I, that was a beautiful day. All these all these stories that the objects on the focus tell to you because of your memories that are associated with them. So it's, it's a concrete way of having a presence of your practice in your home all the time, whether you're feeling it or not. Yeah. You know, that that's part of what's helpful about it.
0: And it can help create that physical structure right? That's if you're, if you've got a daily practice and you go to your focus or alter every day for that. And during, during your seasonal observances, you're changing it out. You know, Mm -hmm. it, it creates a little bit of that structure that is just helpful to have something that, that doesn't just have to have you remembering in your brain all the time, Mm -hmm. That there's something built into your environment that just leads you into doing the thing that you want to be doing.
1: Yes. I mean, for me personally, having a focus is really important. I've had one for 30 odd years. Even during the time when I left paganism, I didn't take my my old altar down. I just let it collect dust for about five years, but I couldn't quite bring myself to take it apart. Mm. It was just too meaningful to me. So, so that's another piece, another another option that you have as you develop your DIY religion, right? And then there are other kinds of observances other than seasonal observances, like moon observances that we just mentioned.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And people often associate the the new moon or the the first little crescent of the moon as being a time for new beginnings, for, for starting new projects, for brainstorming, and maybe doing divination around new directions for themselves. Mm-hmm. And in many cases, they see the fullness of the moon, the full of the moon as the, the fulfillment of those things. And then as it wanes, the departure of mm-hmm. those things so you can pick the time of the moon that you want to celebrate a particular thing going on in your life according to that
0: map sure yeah or whatever meaning you find with it and I... that
1: can, you know that can be as simple as just going out and watching the moon for a while maybe leaving some like a a pretty bottle of water in the moonlight to quote, capture the moonlight, unquote, so that you can use that water on your altar later on, and it feels like special water. Or I mean, they can be complicated, you know, complex rituals could be as little as just going out for a walk under the moon or singing a song to the moon really depends on you. Mm -hmm. But the good thing about having some kind of a lunar practice is it gets you out under the sky. Yes, it, it connects you into that cycle, you always know, what time of, of what's part of the cycle the moon is in, right? And it's just healthy. Yeah. It's healthy to get out under the nighttime sky and observe what's going on. Feel mm-hmm. that incredible sense of smallness mm-hmm. in relation to all those stars.
0: And don't, don't miss out on the new moon period because when the moon isn't out, you can see the rest of the cosmos better, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So we make a point, we go out every single night for at least a little time. That's part of our daily practice is Uh some sun time and star time. But when there isn't the moon, that's when you can, if you live somewhere away from light pollution, that's when you see the Milky Way, right? right? That's when you see the stars that you don't normally see. That's when you might catch a meteor. That's when there's, it reveals more, The new moon, It's the full moon is beautiful in itself, and it lets you see the ground better. It lets you see the little creatures moving around and the wind going through the plants and all of that. But it's just both of those times of the month are just so, so different, depending on whether the moon is there or not. Yes, yes. Yeah.
1: So that's a a lunar set of observances. And that can be something that you do every month or even more often than every month if you want to celebrate different cycles. Mm -hmm. Or it can be something that you only do when you have some work that you want to do on a particular issue that's happening in your life or thing that you're struggling with. Mm -hmm. Or it can be something that you just do once in a while because you feel like celebrating.
0: Right. Or because it's warm enough to. Yeah. Yes, and if you (laughs) perhaps live in Ontario, maybe you don't want to go out, you know, and to look at the moon in January. But you might. Perhaps, yes.
1: If it's clear and there's moonlight on snow, that is some beautiful. That's true.
0: Mm. Yeah. That's really beautiful. So, well, they do say there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think that's a Swedish saying, which totally makes sense to me. <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe Icelandic.
0: I don't know where it's from, but I, I hear it. I, I appreciate it when I hear it from different yes. folks. It puts me to shame sometimes. I go, well, I'm pretty good about getting outside, but but sometimes you know I need to just get some warmer clothes on and get mm-hmm. myself out there instead of hiding inside. Although hiding with the cat and some cocoa in a book is pretty wonderful too just maybe not Ah, every single day perfect segue yes that's right
1: (laughs) because unintentional yes but a perfect segue because the next thing for us to talk about is invented holidays
0: yes which is why we chose this topic for this week yes you have one coming up right i
1: do next weekend on the 15th which is the third Saturday in January, I celebrate a holiday called SLOG, <laughs> all caps, S-L-O-G-G. And it is the winter demi-Sabbath of coziness and silly hats. So it's a time when you, you know, you put on your really good woolen socks mm. and a silly hat and you, you get yourself all nice and cozy indoors. And you make mulled wine or cocoa or hot cider and, and enjoy reading poems and singing songs and just just have a really nice, cozy sort of communal time of defying the horrible weather that's
0: outside. <laughs> that you've just um, been having to slog through.
1: Exactly. So, and we'll put, I I wrote a blog post about this a couple of years ago, and we'll put a link to that in the episode notes. Mm -hmm. But there are lots of other invented holidays, and you can invent your own. Some of them are based in historical events, like Einstein's birthday, for example, Mm -hmm. which is March 14th, which is also Pi Day, because 3.14, right? Mm -hmm. And that is Often celebrated by atheists as sort of a, a celebration of science and mathematics and critical thinking and skepticism and all that good kind of stuff. I like it for the pie.
0: Yes. <laughs> Along those same lines, there's Yuri's and a little bit a little bit later on, we have May the fourth.
1: Yes, which yes. is Star Wars Day. May the fourth be with you. Yuri's night is the the night that the the anniversary of the night that Yuri Gagarin first orbited the earth. Yeah. The entry of humans into space.
0: So it's kind of a celebration of just all that cool space science, nerdy wonderfulness. Yeah.
1: yeah. A lot of planetariums and science museums have celebrations of Yuri's night. Yeah. Which can be really fun. I mean, they have, they have exhibits and they have dancing and it's just a lot of fun
0: yeah oh what are some other ones wolf that was yes oh that one's too cute that was a, that's a pretty new one too
1: yes it was invented by an eight-year-old apropos of pretty much nothing i guess he just decided we should have this holiday and uh, you celebrate it with a cake shaped like a moon and it's a day to be nice to dogs yes you give you give presents to dogs so it's a celebration of our relationship with the canine world.
0: And they've been with us for a while. They have. They, they really have. We've, we've changed each other in many ways.
1: We have. There, I just read recently about a new burial that had been found. And I think it was, I want to say 15,000 years old. And it was a burial of both a person and a dog together and there were some grave goods so it was clear that there was really a you know a recognition there of that relationship
0: then of course there's ones that could be from one's cultural heritage mm-hmm. right so you know st patrick's day or st david's you know even though they've got the saint in there but you know they're celebrations of one's Irishness, or one's Welshness, or you know things like that, or
1: Hogmanay on New Year's Eve, which is a Scottish celebration, Burns Night,
0: and I'm sure that there are many other groups might have similar types of days. Just not being a member of them, I'm not sure what what they would be. But
1: I, I know that many atheists also celebrate Darwin's birthday because evolution is so pivotal in our understanding of the nature of life
0: yeah so there's going to be there's lots to choose from Mm -hmm. and like the 8 year olds or like mark if you see a need you can create one Um, and
1: you'll you'll be you probably won't be surprised but you still may be very pleased by how responsive people around you will be to the suggestion of having a holiday for no apparent reason. <laughs> people people are always looking for an opportunity to have a good time and you know especially at this time of the year when it can be so bitter. I just felt like it was necessary to you know waiting around until the 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 7th or so of February which is roughly the midpoint between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. It was just too long. <laughs> I, <laughs> too long. I needed a holiday in the middle.
0: Yeah. Well, especially coming out of just back-to-back holidays. The, right. The end of the previous year. Yeah. Right.
1: So I think maybe what we can do now is just to loop back to, you know, your initial question, Yaka. what's the point? Mm-hmm. We, we do this not because we're under some obligation to, which is how it is in many other religions, Mm -hmm. you know, that we are tasked with this work that we must do in order to fulfill the spiritual requirements of whatever the religion is. That's not us. This is optional, right? But it'll make your life better. It will it will help you to be happier. And in my experience, as a happier person, it helps other people around me to be happier, which just makes for a more pleasant life generally. And if I'm looking for reasons to be happy, like flowers blooming or the pattern of the clouds in the sky or any of those things.
0: Migrating. or
1: Yeah. All the goldfinches at my bird feeder right now. It's really cool. Then I am then I'm experiencing more of those happiness neurotransmitters, right? The dopamine and the serotonin that just help us to have a more pleasant experience of our lives. And it and when we are happier, we're also more empowered.
0: We're more um, effective at we are whatever, yeah. We yeah, do a better job at whatever whatever it is that we do, whether that's you know a, a A traditional career or parenting, or, you know, being a good partner or a good steward of the land, we're just better at it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because we're not burning our bandwidth on stress, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, stress is incredibly consumptive of your internal resources. And if you are under stress, as all of us are at, you know, at some level all the time, and with COVID and so forth, we're all under pretty severe stress right now. This is a way of counter, contravening some of that, Mm -hmm. of, of helping us to say, yes, there are stressful things in my life. And yet look at that tree blowing in the wind. That's amazing. And getting that little sort of ah feeling that comes from those neurotransmitters. So we invite you, especially if you're new to the practice to You know, consider the options in the menu that we described in this podcast episode. Go and visit other podcast episodes as resources. And there's a lot of stuff on the Atheopaganism blog as well at atheopaganism.org. How to create rituals about occasions for creating rituals and daily practices and all that good kind of stuff. There's no better time to start than now. Hey, it's even the new year it is right yeah so you know might as well if if you've been thinking about this you might as well put a toe in and see how it feels and even if it's a little awkward at first you know give it a chance yeah give it a chance because just
0: just remember those times when you pushed through that and when it has when it has worked out right yeah
1: right well this has been a great conversation as always yucca thank you so much
0: thank you mark
1: Everybody have a great week.